When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstrike Just me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everybody stay everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me as always, my man Cody. What is going on tonight, my friend? And not, not too much is going on. We had a uh, just finished up watching the preseason Monday night game. The Ravens streak is over. Joey Sly putting a nail in the coffin of the Ravens 24 game, I believe, preseason winning streak. So the streak, the most useless streak in all of NFL history is finally dead. Ends at 24, I believe that was the number. But Washington Commanders actually get their first win with their new owner. And so it's it's a good day in Washington, D.C. for all of these guys out there. I'm, ha- I'm happy. It was actually a very good preseason game. A really good, a really good watch actually start to finish, which we do not normally able to be said about most of these preseason games yeah yeah i thought it was funny before before the game i think it was even yesterday you heard like one of the players from the commanders was was saying oh it's such a stupid thing like who cares about preseason wins they're gonna lose the streak though like tomorrow too so it's like he obviously really wanted to go out there and win the game for the team so and you know break the streak so it's always it's funny to hear that and hey it happened you know we can't talk about it anymore uh so that's always good that you know anytime we can stop talking about preseason makes me happy and we're really close to doing that like the season is right around the corner so i'm super excited like you said it was a very good game i know uh sam Howell played very well or or you know well for for what we anticipated um we got to see some some gibby action some some zay flowers had a, had a nice little catch and run for for a tutty uh overall good game good time ready for this yeah season. i mean it him and uh zay flowers and dotson both worked really well the unfortunate thing about this one it does look like terry mclaurin came away with an injury um obviously you're all are listening to this one a couple days later than what we're recording right after the game but we should know more from what it looks like right now either a high ankle sprain or turf toe i believe was the initial reactions from jeff bueller our injury analyst over on dd whenever they were coming out so uh by by the mechanism by the video i think believe he said it was a high ankle sprain or low grade high ankle sprain so we're looking at a couple weeks there hopefully he's ready by the start of the season turf toe as well i know they said it came out with a toe injury i believe so um, we'll we'll see how long that is obviously those injuries can linger a little bit longer hopefully he is back and ready to go by week one for sam Howell and this washington commander's offense yep he's hurt somewhere in the the ankle to foot to toe area x-rays negative so we'll see what happens there and and jeff will have more for us uh in the coming days or week here so yeah tap into to to jm mueller pt um uh, i believe it's jm mueller pt yeah pt threats 
PT, yeah, Thrive PT um, on Twitter. Sorry, Jeff, totally butchered that, but hit him up. Uh, he's going to have all the injury updates there on Twitter. Uh, great dude to follow. Uh, super entertaining. And make sure you check him here out. Check him out here on Destination Debbie Radio because uh, he does drop his injury updates as well uh, throughout the preseason and season as that comes along. So, uh, yeah, anything else you want to touch on with the preseason right now? Now I think we can move into what our topic for the show is. And while everybody is going to be telling you that they are going to be talking about a single position probably this weekend, I think we want to talk about something different. About 90% of all of the content that's going to come to you this week is going to be about a single position. You know what it is. There's a lot of names swirling around it. There's high leverage names. We've been talking about it, it feels like, for the past five weeks, for the past two months. I don't know how long it's been, but it feels like every single week we are talking in freaking circles about one singular position. So today, Chase, why don't we talk about something different? Why don't we talk about some wide receivers? Yeah, I think it's uh, we, we've beaten the dead horse from franchise tags to trades to holdouts. And we're just, you know, I think we've gotten to the point where we are we're beating a dead horse. We're overanalyzing things. It's time to take a step back uh, and, and just not talk about that position. So we're not even going to say it today. Just um, let it play out. Just let just it play gonna, out. Just going to let it play out. Like those guys are going to play football. The, the, those situations are going to figure itself out. And uh, there's no need for anyone else to talk for an, a whole hour on that. So uh, let's dive into wide receivers. So we are going to get, you know, into looking, you know, reassessing the rookie class as we've seen through the preseason. We're going to talk about some of the sophomore stuff, some different guys that we can uh, kind of target and trade and, and kind of our breakdown on, on where we're at. Um, but yeah, let's look at some of the rookies here and, and what have you seen so far in the preseason? Has there been any major shifts for you within what well, I'd say probably the top tier, the top four, uh, rookies, to this class of JSN, Addison, QJ and flowers. Yeah. I mean, out of, out of the draft, out of all of the ADP that we've seen, I believe it was whenever we were first coming out of the draft, it was JSN, Addison, QJ flowers. That really felt like it was going to be that one Oh six through one Oh nine positions throughout the draft, throughout your rookie drafts. and. I think there has been a little bit of a change. Maybe it's just the recency bias as I saw him score a touchdown today, but Zay Flowers is probably the one who's risen the most for me. QJ had some moments, but we haven't really seen him like trying to take over. Obviously, I don't think we're going to see him take over into a Keenan Allen, Mike Williams role year one, maybe a little bit more of a progression or maybe a little bit of just an injury upside type of play. Addison, obviously, he's just behind Justin Jefferson, but Flowers, I think, is this one that can actually have the chance to take over as the one for this offense. What does it look like in a Todd Munkin offense is obviously very different. You've still got Odell there. We expect him to play a large role. Rashad Bateman, if he can stay healthy, large role as well. But I do believe that Flowers has kind of the most upside, honestly, in my opinion, for this year one, where we were, I think earlier in the offseason, we were actually saying that Addison probably had the largest upside for year one. I think that really has shifted in what most people think to Flowers being this guy that we really like the most year one. And that proves a lot of worth for Dynasty asset value, just because we've seen if you start producing in year one, Odell's now another year older. He's going to be the one for this offense. He's going to be the one for Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson for the next couple of years. Maybe there's a chance that Zay Flowers could actually be the wide receiver, too, for the rookies by the time that we get to the beginning of the season here. Yeah, you know, Flowers was a guy that both of us really liked coming out. You know, obviously him being a senior from Boston College, you know, back when we did our film grades, our film kind of breakdown back in January. Um, he was I think he was number one or number two based on purely film. 
just looking at the film. I know that was one of the things that you kind of talked about. You were really surprised, like how much flowers stood out uh, based on the fact that offense was just atrocious in college. But, um, you know, now after we saw the draft play out where these guys went, there was kind of a clear separation with JSN at the top, Addison and QJ a little bit closer together and then flowers, you know, a round or so later. I think all of these guys have really kind of gotten a bit closer and it's not because you know JSN has been bad or or anything like that it's just I think we've seen Addison do it in a preseason game it's he, he's looked really good had having some sort of a connection in that offense uh Flowers obviously the touchdown today um and, and a lot of the hype that you heard from the Ravens uh QJ's had some really good practice catches I, there hasn't been a whole lot preseason wise that like really stood out where i'm like oh yeah he's going to be able to take over keenan allen or mike williams or he's going to really carve out a huge role for himself as a rookie um but hey it's a high powered you know offense that is going to throw the ball a ton so qj is definitely going to get his share of targets and i think that's something that you know i won't say like 100 that's not going to happen but i think he's going to be able to at least get a significant share of, of targets as a rookie and then jsn is something you know he's a player we've talked about quite a bit uh, where we have questions about what his overall involvement is going to be we've seen it quite a bit so far in the preseason we've seen him make some you know big plays where are you at? Let's just start with JSN and that that offense in particular. Has has anything shifted for you? Do you think that he's suddenly going to have you know a takeover Tyler Lockett already? Um, where are you at with that? I haven't had anything shift for me in this offense, man. It, it's an, it's unfortunate because I still do think that JSN is by far and away the best wide receiver in this class. Yep. However, I still think he's the wide receiver three on his team in year one. And what what exactly the wide receiver three role looks like in this offense, I think they could be very consolidated, but then all of them look like they're probably at like, you know, maybe 100 targets and then 70 catches and 800 yards and five touchdowns. I don't know which one of those separates themselves from the other. DK Metcalf could separate himself. Tyler Lockett has always been that consistent guy. JSN, we don't know what he is, but he you know, looks like he's going to be a very large part of this offense as the number three. But what does that look like? How many three wide receiver sets are they running? Is JSN on the field? Is DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the field for the beginning of the season? I don't know what that looks like. So I'm I'm actually decently scared for JSN year one. However, I still believe he's by far and away the best wide receiver of this class. With that being said, like I, I'm still I'm still putting him as the wide receiver one for this class. I'm still taking him there in my rookie drafts. If for some reason you still haven't done those yet, obviously I think everybody should have. I but so. um, yeah, I really really hope so that you've gotten those squared away by now. But like JSN is by far and away the best wide receiver here, and I like him long term to replace either one one of the two of these guys. Tyler Lockett obviously being the one that we think is going to be it, just because he's on the wrong side of the thirty age cliff, but. He's going to take a role in this offense. I just don't think it's going to be year one. Do you think it's going to be any different? I I have a hard time thinking that he's going to really carve out a significant role to contribute to your team's year one, though. I mean, we've been talking about Seattle for a while now, like needing another wide receiver. We thought, you know, I don't say we, but like people thought it was going to be Dwayne Eskridge for a little bit there. Um, I, you know, what was it? Tamari and Terry, when, when he came out from Florida oh, State, yeah, obviously about that, that, that situation. Um, so like there were, there, there were, attempts to get a third wide receiver in that offense and it just never panned out i think jsn is that that third wide receiver that you know again how it's going to shake out in terms of targets is, is to be determined but i think it's a health bet like if, if all three of those guys are healthy i really do think it's going to be a dk locket and jsn 
pecking order. Um, I do think that JSN is going to have some very good games. You know, he's already shown his ability to get open in that offense. He's probably going to garner targets from time to time. But in the end, it is going to be a, a DK lock it one two combo, I think, for the majority of the season, unless JSN you know, really shows out those first few games. And I think that's where, like, as you pointed out, we don't know exactly what the utilization is going to look like in terms of the the offensive scheme and how many, how many three wide receiver sets they have, um, how often they have that as well is going to be big. And, and to be determined on, on really, you know, is, is JSN off the field on, on those two wide sets. And so uh, that is going to be something I'm really interested in monitoring week one and week two, uh, just to see what their early kind of season projection is because if i am a win now team and i do need some points out of my wide receiver position and i have jsn and it's not looking you know again i don't want to sit here and sell you know short but if i'm not getting the utilization out of him because he is the best wide receiver in in this rookie class uh maybe i look to make a pivot from jsn to a point producing wide receiver so that i can make a run at a, at a title this year if if, if it's looking like jsn's not that um, and i know people are going to point out Justin Jefferson and all those others, you know, other guys that took some time to kind of break out. But um, I don't think it's the same type of situation as it is in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly explaining a trade that went down between us two in one of our most high stake leagues, the one that you won last year in Royal Rumble, where I'm trying to become more of a win now team. And I had I drafted JSN this year with one of the picks that I obtained this year when I was a little bit in just that retool kind of tank mode almost. But I traded it for your Devontae Adams, and you're one of those teams that won it last year, obviously, and you're trying to get a little bit younger and trying to develop some more tradable assets. And so that that type of trade just kind of worked out. That's exactly where I think if you are in that win-now team, in that win-now position, you can make a move like that. Now, do I think I sold just because we both obviously know each other and how we like to play like is, is that trade value exactly equal in other leagues no it's not really but you had one of the copies and that was kind of the only way that i could go unless i wanted to just you know force explore options on the other side and it wasn't really you know, happening over there so you were really the only option for me to get those win now points with the Devontae adams i could have shopped it around a little bit more maybe but I, th- I think there's I would very much bet that Devonte Adams is outscoring JSN by a wide margin in 2023. And so if if I'm making that bet, I'll make I'll make that bet every single day and uh, we, we can just, you know, put the put the rookies on a little bit of a layaway like like you're kind of doing and put that put that capital a little bit further back into the season that you can actually use a little bit later. Yeah, and that's exactly it with that with that deal and kind of what my mindset was with JSN. It's kind of a tradable asset I can I can look at later. Um, looking at, at Addison, QJ, and Flowers because I do think JSN's cl- the clear cut number one in this class still. Um, Addison, QJ, and Flowers I think is a lot closer and probably a little bit different order right now. I think I would have Addison and Flowers neck and neck, and I put QJ as a as a I don't say distant third, but or distant fourth, but like he'd be the fourth of, of this class at this very moment um, until a Mike Williams, Keenan Allen situation gets cleared up. Again, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough bet to make to say that QJ is just going to go out there and get a bunch of targets. Um, I, I love the offense, but it's going to be a tough one. So where are you at looking at Addison and flowers? What do you think? You know, what, where are you projecting these guys at? Has anything shifted for you with them uh, based on what we've seen in the preseason or um, do you kind of have them still around that? Like, I believe you had about around 800 yards, if I'm not mistaken, as rookies. 
Yeah, typically all these guys were coming in around that like 650 to 850 yards. Um, I, I don't, I haven't shifted any of that very much. Addison would be the one that I think could blow that out of the water a little bit, but yeah. obviously KJ Osborne is going to still be a part of this offense. Mm-hmm. It just matters how soon Addison can really step into the wide receiver two role because I do think that that's in line for him. I just don't know if it's going to be year one. Flowers is really the one, though, that I think if I went back and did my projections and redid them today, which I need to do over the rest of this week, I think he has a very large. Basically, I think it's going to be Odell and Zay Flowers. Rashad Bateman just keeps being hurt, man. And I, I, I have those guys all split out about even right now. I think that's going to shift pretty predominantly towards a. Uh, Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers. So that, that'd be the one that I think is rising the most. But I mean, we're talking about a dynasty landscape here and it, it just kind of shows that the, the trend of how short term we're really thinking with all of these guys is because like, honestly, with all these rookies, we should be betting on the prospect just a little bit, but all that we care about because all that's going to affect their dynasty value for year two is what they produce in year one. And it feels a little bit contradictive to just be almost talking about these guys in a redraft context, doesn't it? But that's all that truthfully matters for what's going to be impacting their dynasty value. So why wouldn't we talk about it in the redraft context in just the 2023 context? Because that's all that's going to matter for all three of these guys outside of JSN just because he holds the name value. Yeah, I mean, we look at trends at, at, at each position and like there's always trends of, you know, uh, hitting a certain point per game threshold as a rookie in order to show that you you have the ability to break out in in year two, year three. Um, and, and, you know, we see it every single year where you, we see sophomore breakouts, you know, th- year three breakouts. Um, and, and so it is something where it's it's always tough to to look down the road when we are obviously wanting to win but also you know we get trapped in this mindset of like okay we need production now otherwise it doesn't matter and and that happens at other positions but when it, when it comes to wide receiver we got spoiled with Jefferson and Chase and some of the production that they were able to give us as rookies like that high end production and now we we get to that point where it's like okay well if these guys don't produce then really what are they to us um so yeah i, I i'm with you I, I do think that we need to kind of tamper or temper our expectations when it comes to some of these guys and not necessarily just punt them off the face of the earth just because they don't do what we want them to do. Uh, Again, it's just our own personal opinion on what we expect. And so like, if you have high expectations for JS and if you have high expectations for Addison flowers, like, and they don't meet those expectations, all of a sudden you, you create yourself a a market in your leagues where there's either a buy or sell opportunity for you. So um, it's just certain things to look at with, especially those first round wide receivers um, that I'm, I'm kind of monitoring closely as like the first few weeks of the season roll on. Yeah, and ju- just to finish up on these guys as we go through here, I think QJ is the one that I would bet on long term, right? Like if I actually had one to just put my stamp on as the guy who I can buy low on potentially in season whenever he's not producing, just because of the age of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen both, Mike Williams probably is a lot older than his actual ages just because of the amount of injury that he <laughs> takes whenever he crashes into the earth every single time he goes up for a jump ball. Like he's probably like, I think he's like what 28 and he's probably actually like 32 in terms of just actual NFL, like physical. Age, yeah. Age. <laughs> yeah. You know, his body ages a little bit differently because he just gets injured every single time he crashes to the ground. So QJ would be the one that I would like actually say if like you want to make a little bit of a long-term bet if you want. But I still wouldn't be buying him now because I think if he's playing as like – I seriously think he could be playing as wide receiver four behind Josh Palmer. 
for a potential like for a beginning of the season and his value is going to crater so then buy him whenever you're on that tanking team for this year and then recoup the value next year i think that's how i'm going to play it but all these guys i mean man like if you're if you're just trying to play an instant value game you have to get the guys that are going to produce early in the season and i think that's addison and i think that's flowers Yep. No, I'm with you right there. I do think that QJ is going to give himself or you're going to have a buy opportunity for him of all of these guys at some point. Even if Jason is the number three on his own team, people aren't going to sell short just because of of the talent. There were already questions around QJ, the TCU bias, those types of things. Like there's a lot of narratives that are going against QJ. Uh, so I do think that he's going to be one I'm uh, looking to buy in season. Uh, given a specific team. So let's look at tier two uh, for this class. You know, those wide receiver two, I guess, yeah, I guess we'll call them wide receiver twos of this class. Um, so like yep. Mingo, Rasheed Rice, Jaden Reed, Mims, Hyatt, um, you know, Wilson. Which one of these guys really stand out to you as someone that might be able to take a leap, whether that's a rookie year or have an opportunity to, to kind of outshine their ADP? This is this is this is what I would like to categorize as like the dangerous territory, right? Because all of these guys, all of these guys right now, if you go on a, if you go on a training camp Twitter, all of these guys are balling out. They're all going to be wide receiver ones for their team within the next two years. I mean, they they're all going to have 100 targets. They're going to have 80 75 catches. They're, they're going to be just absolute ballers and contributors for their team. In reality, probably only two of them are actually going to do that for your team. Which two, if I had to stake my claim on it right now, I'm elim- I'm eliminating Rasheed Rice, I'm eliminating Jaden Reed, I'm eliminating Marvin Mims, I'm eliminating Jaden Hi- Jalen Hyatt. So honestly, Michael Wilson and Jonathan Mingo are probably my two. And I, I hate saying it. I absolutely hate saying it, but they are on terrible teams that only have one wide receiver in front of them that are both injury prone. It's Adam Thielen and it's Rond or it's not Rondell Moore. Well, Rondell Moore, I guess, is quote unquote in front of him, but it's uh, Hollywood Brown as well. So, like, those are the only two guys that I perceive in front of these guys right now. And I think those could be the wide receiver twos that you actually want for this year. So, you know, looking at this list, um, we are there is a name that is not on here, and I think you left uh, left it off in, in, intentionally because you know your belief in your Houston Texans and old tank Dell not being necessarily in here. You know, he's one that, you know, obviously went in rookie drafts in the third round that might have an opportunity to quote unquote, be the one on the team. Um, you know, I don't want to, we'll dive into him in a second here, but I'm with you. Mingo, I think is the one that I'd be monitoring. I don't know that he's going to, going to show out early in the season, but I think as he develops with this offense uh, develops, you know, continues to build that rapport with, with Bryce, he's one that I'd be very interested in. And I'm, I'm actually going to go a little bit different with you. I think Marvin Mims is actually the one that I'd be really interested in. Uh, no Bronco bias here at all, but you know, first, uh, very first draft pick of the Sean Payton era, traded up to get Mims. Uh, we obviously had the injury of Tim Patrick already. Cortland Sutton getting up there really hasn't lived up to the hype. Jerry Judy getting towards the end of his contract, you know, seeing what they actually want to do with Jerry Judy in that situation. Uh, Mims is one that I'd be really interested to see how he can do. Um, in this offense in year in year one even just getting opportunity to to get some balls um and, and see how he does in this offense but where are you at with with tank Dell? i have to i have to ask as the as the resident you know texan is he wide receiver one wide receiver one 
on on the no, team. Yeah. No. On his own team. Not, not no. like no points per game, but like No, not even close. He's behind Robert Woods and he's behind Yuko Collins. Like he, he's he's not in front of those two. He has shown I mean, yes, he has had some good games in preseason. He had one good game in preseason that he get held out in week two. So no, like he he's He's not anywhere near wide receiver one. Also, John Mechie is not wide receiver one. He's more close to wide receiver six on the team, even though I was told that John Mechie was a lock for wide receiver one by multiple people throughout this offseason about four months ago. So, uh, no, both of those guys are not wide receiver ones. It is Robert Woods and it's Nico Collins. Those two are going to be wide receiver one unless Tank Dell can ascertain astronomical leaps from what I've currently seen from him and where he's currently listed on the depth chart throughout his first season. No, I don't think that it's tank Dell. I think that he's about wide receiving option five or six on this team. And in an offense that I project to have less than 4,000 passing yards, that's not very good and probably isn't hitting most of your lineups outside of best ball. Like if you want to have him in a best ball league, I think it's perfectly fine. You can have him on the end of your roster and like the last four roster spots maybe if you have like a start 30 but or a 30 man roster but like that's about it yeah, i know what you mean not not a start 30 but 30 yeah, man he's roster. viable there too right um but yeah no like it's starting in terms of dart throws like yeah i'm with you i think i'd, I'd be happy to have tank dell in a in a basketball league you know just for the the off chance he has you know a nice uh, nice touchdown catch uh, breaks a couple off you know looking at the the depth of this class in terms of some darts uh, a couple other names i wanted to bring up is it, obviously Debro's favorite is puka nakua um for for the rams you know him being a potential dart uh the guy I keep telling everybody, you know, he's going to be good if he can run in a straight line and catch a touchdown pass. And that's going to be Trey Palmer. Honestly. Yeah. Um, Trey that- Palmer. He, you just don't want him doing anything underneath. If he can run downfield and, and, and make moves like that, like he can utilize his speed to the best of his ability. Great. Trey Palmer dart. Um, and then I, are you, are you in on Demario Douglas? Um, you know, Andre Yosivas from, from Princeton, you know, they're in Cincinnati. Like- if, if I had to pick two of those names out of what you just gave me, it's Trey Palmer and Demario Douglas. Uh, Demario Douglas is better than Keishon booty. Um, unfortunately okay. for all the Debbie guys out there, it just seems to be the way that it is. And it's unfortunate, but seems like Demario Douglas could actually play, you know, unfortunately Kendrick Bourne does seem to be playing in a wide receiver yeah. three role and recovering that role this year, which he lost last year. So that's kind of where I was hoping Demario Douglas would slot into. If I was actually going to rely on him week over week in fantasy, can he lose it again? By certainly, but uh, Demario Douglas would be the one that I'd want to bet on in that offense. And then Trey Palmer with the Russell Gage injury. Unfortunately, I did have to act deactivate a lot of my Russell Gage shares. I think three of them I just deactivated over the last two days. And uh, Trey Palmer is honestly the best replacement for that because do you know the names of Devin Tompkins, David Moore, or Kalen Greger? I don't. So uh, Trey Palmer's the only one there. Yeah, give me some Trey Palmer, man. Four three three forty, representing the University of Nebraska. And honestly, as much as as much as the, we have questions about this offense, we don't even know who the quarterback is going to be. This offense is going to be solely so concentrated around Chris Godwin and Mike Evans this year. Like it might not matter if they can only pass the ball five hundred times because those two are probably going to get like four hundred and fifty of the targets. 
Stop. Our projection <laughs> guy going off the rails with his 40% target share. For Obviously, the they're not getting 450. <laughs> I know. <but laughs> they could get a but, large percentage but, of this yeah. offense. It could be very concentrated. It could be very concentrated. Palmer might get, you know, a little bit of work, but again, it's going to be deep balls. Like again, best ball dart throw. Yep. Um, and then uh, running back. Yes, the, I, I think the bottom line is this team's bad and they're going to pass the ball. Like yeah. if they have to, Yeah, like they're not going to run it with Rashad white and Sean Tucker and Keyshawn Vaughn all season long. Like I feel for that team. I feel for it. Like I watch yeah. for an implosion and some trades out of that one. It looks like it's going to be pretty rough. We which one was the one? Which one's the wide receiver that could be traded this year? Is it uh, Evans or Godwin? I forget. I think it's Evans. He's in the last year of his. Yeah, he's deal. in the Godwin's last year. Still locked up for another couple of years, and and I think the dead cap's a little bit too much. So Evans would be the one on the move, maybe to a contender that needs a a wide receiver if uh, those start to pop up. Yeah, I could really could really see a spike mid year if that does happen. I think that's typically around like week seven or eight, whenever that trade deadline does come around. So him and Devontae Adams, because that situation is also pretty gross. Apparently Stefan Diggs too. You know, we'll dive into the vets here in a little bit and oh. all the fun or fun around this stuff. So uh first let's get into some of the sophomores from from last year for the twenty twenty two class. You know, we had Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave. Like those four seem to be the top of the group in in, in terms of I, I think you can separate them out as far as like Garrett Wilson being like a clear separator and maybe a Chris Olave. Yeah, a little bit of like Christian Watson coming into the back end of that group as well. Yeah, I think he's yeah. probably kind of close to Drake London a little bit in some yeah. people's oh, minds. Yeah. But uh Garrett Garrett Wilson is the one. I mean, if if you're gonna launch this guy up from what he produced, actually produced for your fantasy team last year to wide receiver three in Dynasty per keep trade cut. I, I can't do it, man. Like what? Like, are we already proclaiming this guy to be Devonte Adams? Is he already Devonte Adams? I know he's got Aaron Rodgers. I think he can do it. I think it's within his range of outcomes, but are we really already saying that he is going to absolutely positively be Devonte Adams for the next three years plus? I mean, I think that's really where people look at this. Like, you look at what Garrett Wilson did with uh, that awful quarterback group. 147 targets last year, 83 catches, 1,100 yards, and four touchdowns. And you're like, oh, well, you know what? Let's just say he keeps that same target share. Let's just say he keeps about 150 targets. More efficient play out of the quarterback position. You know, maybe he goes from 83 to 100 catches. What's an additional 17 catches in that offense? You know, you up the his his uh, his yards per catch. You know, maybe it's 13. It was at 13. So, you know, you're you're talking about 300 some yards. Like maybe he's around 1400 yards. Like, could he be Devontae Adams in this offense? Yeah, like he could. I I have a I have a tough time seeing like anyone else in this offense really stepping up and like taking targets away from him. And that's, and I think that's what I keep looking at. I keep trying to talk myself down. I really do. I keep trying to talk myself down from Garrett Wilson, but like everything is in place for him to succeed. And it's really going to be on his talent at this point, or I guess we'll just say the, the arm of Aaron Rodgers, which I think has looked fine in the calves of Aaron Rodgers um, to, to really help him succeed. And, I think it's a little premature to put him at, at, you know, wide receiver three in dynasty, but I could definitely see the case to be made. Yeah, I mean, after. all you need to do is go from four touchdowns to 14 touchdowns. It's not that big of a jump. Um, not that big of a jump. I mean, look, look, I, I think he's going to be top 10. 
I, I think he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver this year. In, in points per game, in, in points you're talking about just this year, right? In points this year, I think he's going to be a top 10 yeah. wide receiver. I can see that. Does that qualify him for top three? I mean, obviously it has for Jamar Chase because he's never been top one or top two either. So honestly, if he does that, um, I guess he does deserve to be at the wide receiver three overall. However, I can't put him there yet. I'd still have the CD Lambs. I'd still have the AJ Browns, the guys that have shown me that they can produce at that level and have produced at that level. That's where I'm still going to lay my bet this year. Does the does the top three production come from Garrett Wilson this year? I just don't think it does. I think it's more going to be towards that seven to twelve range, like kind of like the you know, the the Amon Ross St. Brown year from last year. Is is that what we see? And that's a very, very good year. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. I just don't think we can sit here and say that he's wide receiver three overall in Dynasty just because he got Aaron Rodgers and what he showed us last year and a mixture of sample size from a plethora of different quarterbacks throughout the year. I mean, in my opinion, if he does what Amon Ra did last year, I think he's solidifies his top three slot. I mean, I guess that's really the question. Like, what does Garrett Wilson have to do in your eyes to put him above CeeDee Lamb and A.J. Brown? Does he have to have a, a have a CeeDee Lamb type season? Like, you know, like what would it take in year two for you to see like, OK, this dude can do it? it has to be a top three wide receiver in points per game. OK. I mean, that's fair. I, I, I'm not going to argue with you on that. Like that, that, that I'm with you. Like, you know, if he can, you want to be himself up there. Yeah. You want to be wide receiver three in dynasty, just be wide receiver three in points per game. Do that. And I'll fully buy in. But until then, I'm still going to get the CD lambs and AJ Browns. Um, I, I don't think I have, the, I, I don't have it on me to say I'm Ross St. Brown or Jalen Waddle or Chris Olave. I think, I think he's wide receiver five, but the difference between what, we are valuing as wide receiver three and wide receiver five right now is vastly different within the dynasty market. Uh, you can say wide receiver three to wide receiver five, and you don't think that there's that much of a tier gap, but then ask yourself what the difference of CD lamb to Amon Ross St. Brown is for most leagues. The difference between Garrett Wilson to Amon Ross St. Brown or Jalen Waddle. It's a massive difference in terms of just dynasty value and what is expected upon the return for that right now, at least in my opinion and what I've seen throughout the market. Yeah, I, I, and I feel you. I feel you. I, I I appreciate the point, and I feel like that's that's the big thing. Like I, I do think that he has a better path to to solidifying his his wide receivers three status than I do his old college teammate. Like I think that's where you know with Chris Olave, I have a I struggle. I guess is maybe the better word with with everyone like touting him as you know. A, I've seen people on Twitter saying he's going to be a top five wide receiver this year, and could be. Yeah. what could be what i mean what what is the I mean, difference sure. you what, know what what's the difference between garrett wilson's devonte adams comp and literally chris olave's devonte adams comp i mean the quarterback card to aaron Rodgers. i mean yeah. yes they both sucked last year one of them was is a, is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and I I know Derek Carr it's is better than he was, but like let's let's be dude. Real have you here. seen him in preseason? They've been absolutely slaughtering the ball all over the field. But that is it is the fact that you just said right there. Like if Michael Thomas is out there, like he's going to get targets. Like I feel like it's there's fair. other mouths yeah. in this offense that are going in that Saints offense that are going to eat as well. And I think Chris Olave can still be very good, but for for a guy that you know. 
yes, he flashed last year. He had some very good games last year, but I think everyone kind of like got super excited about him really early in the season. And then, you know, I was the Debbie downer all year saying it's going to crash back down to earth. It's going to crash back down to earth. And then he crashed back down to earth. And now he's dynasty wide receiver eight. Like he's, he's above Devonta Smith. And like, I just, I have a hard time swallowing that one. I have a hard time putting Chris Olave ahead of Tyree kill, regardless of age, like Tyreek's going to absolutely smash the next few years. I, I I don't know. Like there's, there's a tough, that's a tough pill for me to swallow when we start talking about Chris Olave. I understand it. Um, I just, I, I am a Michael Thomas, I guess, hater at this point. I don't True. believe, I don't believe that he's going to be pretty much anything True. in this offense. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of personal bias because obviously if he returns to any, any sort of form, he's going to command a large workload in this offense. Um, and we've, we've seen, I mean, we, we've seen Juwan Johnson get a massive target share in this offense in preseason. We've seen Rashid Shahid get a massive target share last year in this offense. We've seen Chris Olave get a massive target share. Michael Thomas needs to get his target share too. There's a lot Alvin of guys Kamara. who need Al- Alvin Kamara as well, obviously out of the backfield as well. And then uh, maybe, man, first round pick Kendra Miller is going to get his 70 targets as well. Apparently, I, wait, you, you broke it. You broke the no running back talk. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I just talked about a running back. And I said it again. All right. Let's move on. That didn't happen. Move on. We're going to edit that out. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. But let, let, let's go from there. We've obviously talked enough about these guys because we're obviously talking about running backs now, unfortunately. But we need, to, we need to talk about some differences between some of these guys. Which one's the wide receiver two in their offense? Which one is the wide receiver one? There's a lot of debate between all of these guys. And the first one, let's go with the one that we just saw tonight on the field. Unfortunately, we did just see an injury. Let's take that out of our minds. Let's assume he's not injured. Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson actually had a very good game behind Terry McLaurin once he went out making a bunch of catches from Sam Howell throughout all the first half. Where would you land between these two? Can Jahan Dotson take over Terry McLaurin as the wide receiver one for the Washington Commanders in 2023? I am not on that, but I think Jahan Dotson's played very well in preseason. I've been a very staunch Terry McLaurin supporter, I guess. like Similar to many, many people that are DJ Moore fans and supporters, I do think that Terry McLaurin can be very good in this offense. And, and that's kind of where I stand. If, if healthy, again, that's going to be a big caveat to this. Hopefully this injury is nothing major. Um, I think he's going to be the one. And I, I, and I do think there will be a, a decent target share for both of these guys in this offense. But Terry for me is, I, I just, I have a tough time seeing Dotson take over this year. The only thing that I will say is every time I see Dotson catch the ball, and it's kind of what I saw with him coming out of college, was the dude is just absolutely grabs balls. Like any anywhere anywhere they are placed to him, he's just catching it <laughs> for for some goddamn reason. Like it doesn't really make sense, and he kind of feels like almost a George Pickens type that's just not really as hyped. But man, that guy, like if if they're going to throw the ball up to him in the end zone, he could actually dominate the red zone touches. And that's the only way that I really do think that there's a little bit of a difference between these two is just because Jahan Dodson dominates the touchdowns and Terry McLaurin dominates the yards. But I do think from a yardage and a reception and a target standpoint, this is still going to be Terry McLaurin's offense. I just really hope that he can finally put it together with all the touchdowns because he's the same type of guy. It just doesn't really seem like he's ever targeted in those type of situations. I don't know why. 
high. I don't know whether that's because of the scheme or whether they don't believe that he can do that, but I believe fully that he can do that because he makes insane catches all the time. It just doesn't ever happen in the red zone for him. And so if he can put together a 10 touchdown season, obviously that's highly impactful upon what Sam Howell can do and what they can score in this offense in terms of just a passing game. But that that's where I'd have the only little bit of hesitation between the two of just saying they're massive separation of difference between them. I think, you know, in best ball leagues, I'd, I'd be excited to have some Jahan Dotson and kind of looking at keep trade cut right now. Uh, Dotson's actually valued over Terry McLaurin. Uh, just Yuck. If, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's funny. We just have that conversation. You just break down your feelings on Dotson and then you hear that and you're like, wait a second, like the shift has already occurred. Um, so. Yeah, I think in, in best ball, like in single season, if you're talking about underdog drafts, like I wouldn't mind having some Jahan Dotson. Um, you know, that would be be a, a guy of interest just because I think you're going to be able to get him a little bit cheaper in single season and, and redraft. But I do think that Terry McLaurin should be very good in this offense with Eric B. Enemy. Um, so that's just kind of the, the way I'm looking at this. So there are a couple other same team situations I wanted to dive into. And, and one in particular, because you, you talked about this, you know, Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel had some some good plays, you know, a nice little rollout dump off into the flat. Let Debo get into open space and make some moves, do his thing. He's healthy right now, which is great. It, where are you at with this Debo Ayuk situation? It's been where I've been standing from the beginning of the season. I believe that this is the Brandon Ayuk breakout season. Um, I, I actually just redid all of my projections for the San Francisco 49ers because at this point it does seem like Brock Purdy is going to play all 17 games. Not not that he's going to for sure play all 17 games, but <laughs> at least in a projection model basis, he will play all 17 games. So I have to extrapolate the stats for him compared to him going in versus Trey Lance or Sam Darnold, which Trey Lance really, really does seem to be the three. I know we've talked about that one as much as we've talked about those uh, that other position, and we don't really need to get into that anymore. But it, I do have this as Brandon Ayuk's breakout year. It's a little, it's a very biased. It, it doesn't have the stats to back it up take, but I do believe that this is going to be the year that Brandon Ayuk on a target basis, on a yardage basis, on a catch basis, on a touchdown basis, takes over for Debo Samuel as the one in this offense. So basically you said that Brandon Ayuk's going to be better than Debo because if he's better than every single one of those categories, like he's absolutely going to, you know, out, outscore him in fantasy. So, but yeah, like I'm, I'm with you. I do think that this is going to be the, this is going to be the, the, the takeover season. Brandon Ayuk's going to earn that contract, whether the 49ers are willing to give it to him or another team is. And, and this is going to be a big deal for, for him. Uh, you know, Debo, you just hope stays healthy. It, it is a big health bet. You know, Debo is what he's 27. This is going to be turns 28, I think, mid season here. Um, so. so, you know, it's it's funny, though, because between between them, as much as I have Brandon Ayuk being the one in the passing offense, they're only point six points separated in terms of just total fantasy points for my projections. Because of, get the ball. because Debo will get the ball from the running back position. Like they, there's no way that everybody will just be okay. He's not a running back. I can talk about him. Okay, he's a wide receiver <laughs> who just happens to play back there. But no, he will he will get the ball as you know in a, in a running aspect, and he will score some fantasy points through that aspect as well. So Brandon Ayuk can be the one through the passing game, and Debo Samuel can actually be a very contributing wide receiver just in terms of fantasy from that position as well so uh brand brand will be the one but 
I, I at least think he will be the one. Uh, I, I would bet. I would bet money that this is the breakout year for deep for Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, no, I, I feel you there, and I feel like when we when you look at Brandon Ayuk and his current value, um, you know, he's actually up there with with DJ Moore. He's he's neck and neck with DJ Moore, uh, just ahead of Jerry Judy. Are you interested in acquiring Ayuk, or is he still, even though like we have hope and belief in his ability in this offense, is he still just in that flat tier where you're just like, you know what, I can do something better with my first round pick? No, he's not really a guy that I'm looking to pick up with my first round pick. I think, like you said, he's in that flat tier. So it's a guy that I'm going to, across my leagues, if I want to acquire him, just be like, hey, I have nine wide receivers that are in this flat tier across all my leagues. Let's go send all of them out and then try to get Ayuk plus a third and just see if somebody else's dynasty value is different from mine. Because that, like, obviously everybody values this type of range differently. There are different people that have different versions of what they think is going to be the outcome for this type of range. And so if I can find the guy who just values Ayuk a little bit lower, I'll take that one share of Ayuk rather than just paying a first in a random league. Even if I am a contender, I don't really need Ayuk probably to push myself over the edge right now. I'd much rather just try to leverage a third round pick or try to acquire an extra third round pick in a league versus another flat tier wide receiver. That's the classic little like in between the tier tier down that I'd much rather be looking for before I'd ever tried to send out just a random first to acquire him. Yep. No, I feel you there. I just, I figured I'd ask because I do think that it's important. People do notice, uh, you know, yes, these, a lot of these players in this range are worth a first, right? Like technically they're worth a first round pick, but as a contending team, if you're going out and using your first round pick on, on a flat tier player like that, um, it's more detrimental to you than it is beneficial. Like, yes, you get a first round, you get a player worth a first, but in the end, like what point production are they actually providing you? That's going to push you over the top. So, um, yes, just wanted to, to point that out real quick there last one, or I guess one of the, the other same team combos that have kind of stood out to me and, and to you as well as Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk. And right now, Calvin Ridley is actually ranked higher than Christian Kirk in, in dynasty in terms of value. Yes, he definitely is. And I mean, have you seen his value in underdog? His value in underdog is absolutely insane. I believe he's like wide receiver 13 off the board in underdog. I just in, don't. Yeah. Incredible. Why don't you give the people a promo as I look that up? <laughs> if you haven't heard, uh, Destination Heavy has partnered with underdog for the upcoming season. And if you do use promo code TFDR at sign up, you will get up to a $100 deposit match on your first deposit and if you do deposit ten dollars or more you will get one year access to the destination debbie discord hands down the best place to be in fantasy you got to check out the sheets that are dropping in there all the time so you have a breakdown of, of the spike weeks the floor weeks you know the, the movement that is occurring so you can check out where calvin ridley and christian kirk are going and you can decide if you think that these guys are a value um, or if you you know want to take a take a different path as well so make sure you do use promo code tfdr at sign up to get that deposit match up to 100 on that first deposit and again ten dollars or more will get you that one year access to destination devi but yeah man like when you're talking about calvin ridley and christian kirk like the fact that Calvin really is getting drafted so high, like I, there's other players in that range that I'd much rather be taking, not only in dynasty startups and underdog, you know, drafts as well. And I, I find I can find the value in Christian Kirk because in the end, I can see 
a couple outcomes. I, I love Calvin Ridley. I hope the best. I hope he really does break out and, and, and you know show out again that he has that talent. But Christian Kirk is nothing to just like push to the side. I could see them both having very similar seasons this year. I could see a distribution in that offense being very close uh, in terms of targets and target share. And it's going to come down to really like touchdowns. Like I could, I could see that happening uh, in terms of like a point separation between these two. So what'd you find out? Where are you at with these guys? Calvin Ridley is currently the wide receiver 14 off the board in underdog drafts as it is currently going. That number is above T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, D.J. Moore, Christian Watson, Mike Williams, Drake London, Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Ake, and then at wide receiver 28, Christian Kirk. At cost, give me Christian Kirk, man. Every single day of the fuck week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, it's hard. It's hard for me to, you know, when you look at these same team guys, and I just feel like their situation is so unique because Christian Kirk already has that chemistry with with uh, with Trevor Lawrence and and you know Calvin Ridley again, very good player. Uh, again, hope the best for him. I would love for him to be a a top fourteen wide receiver, top twelve wide receiver again. But realistically, like I just think that there's going to be a little bit more of a you know, kind of an easing in process. And and if anything, like teams are going to want to double cover Calvin Ridley over Christian Kirk, and it's going to give Christian Kirk the opportunity to, to get open. And I don't think T-Law is going to be one of those guys that forces the ball to Calvin Ridley. It's going to be who's open in this offense because there's so many weapons at this point. Like, like you said, could it be a thing where Calvin Ridley catches 13 touchdowns this year and outpaces Christian Kirk? It easily could be. I, I easily think that that could happen. However, if you're going to try to give me the yardage leader in this offense, it's going to be Christian Kirk for me every single day. Like I would, I would take that bet a hundred times out of a hundred because I just believe Christian Kirk, as he works underneath, as he just within the entire scheme of the offense, I believe that he fits so much better. Obviously, Calvin Ridley has looked very, very good throughout all of this preseason. Yes. I will not deny that, and I have risen on him a lot since before this preseason started. And I probably shouldn't because I probably shouldn't take preseason that much into account, but I have risen on him a lot. I just have not risen him to the point yet to where he's over Christian Kirk because I do just really love the talent, what the already the, the connection that he already has with Trevor Lawrence and the thing that is already established there. I think he will be the main target of this offense in 2023 and beyond. And having said all that, like if there's one guy that I want to be wrong on, it's Calvin Ridley. Like I love Calvin Ridley. I love his game. I love his play style. Like I want to see this man succeed. I want him to come back, and I do want him to smash. Drake London's mine. <laughs> Drake London's I, your guy. I would love to be wrong on Drake London, but the quarterback position just yeah, the quarterback and the head coach do just they, they they don't allow me to be wrong on Drake London because he's such a good wide receiver. But for fantasy, he's just he won't yeah. ever be. How do you get there? How do you get there in stats? It's just, it's just like all of the Kyle, Kyle Pitts truthers. How do you get there? It doesn't exist in the offense whenever you're taking 25% of the target share, and it still doesn't matter. You're still not over tight end or wide receiver, tight end five or wide receiver 20. It just doesn't matter. And so like it, it, you just have to look at it from a cumulative aspect from the entire offensive position. And because... Calvin Ridley or Christian Kirk probably won't be over like that 
25 percent mark they're probably not going to be in that really meaningful wide receiver like wide receiver 14 for calvin ridley he'd have to have so much of the target share of this offense to actually do that whenever you have all of these really good weapons behind him i just don't know how you get there yeah again it's a situation i want to monitor just because that offense is going to to be fun like when you really look at it there's gonna there's some really good fantasy producers in that offense uh so again gonna monitor jacksonville for sure and see how that kind of starts to shake out the first few weeks of the season uh maybe make some moves accordingly but um as we wrap up here we do want to dive into some of uh, our favorite players to talk about and and it's it's the you know the vets the the guys that yeah could be uh could be one one false move away from losing all their value, but uh, if they're healthy and on the field, they are going to be top performers. I mean, these are the uh, these are the overreaction guys. These are the TFDR guys that we have been tried and true upon because we own them in probably thirty percent of our leagues, depending upon which one it is. And it is the big four: it's Tyreek, it's Diggs, it's Adams, and it's Cup. Those are probably four of our most wide receivers across all of our leagues. And it's because until they fall off, why would you do anything different? Because all that they give you is top seven wide receiver years, year over year over year. And if you want to try to bet on them falling off on the wrong side of 30, I'll gladly buy them up. I will gladly scoop it up. And if they die in my hands, by all means, I'll let let it die on my team. But if you want to give me that for my back end playoff first, I will gladly take that every day of the week. Yeah, when you talk about, you know, obviously we know where I stand on Tyree 2K. We're going to, you know, it's going to be a thing. Tyreek's going to get 2,000 yards. I'm going to just speak it into existence. Uh, so if you, if whatever, you and your projections have met 1,500, but like we know what's going down in that offense. <laughs> we know what's happening in that offense. So, yeah, you know, Tyreek uh, is one that if, if you have a league that I'm in um, and I, he's on my team, you're probably not going to get him from me most likely and if you have Tyreek and we're in a league together and you have him you might want to try and shop him to me because I'm I, I'm equally as high on him and I'm, I'm happy to pay up for him uh, Diggs Adams and Cup um, I, I'm still in fully on Diggs I'm not believing any of these rumors about what's going on in, in Buffalo I it doesn't I, I just it doesn't make any sense like to me it doesn't make sense for Diggs to be a disgruntled wide receiver on a very good team tied to a very good quarterback like or they haven't won like they wanted to maybe he's upset about that but like what is going on here like I, do you have any issues with with what's going on in the dig situation it started to concern me a little bit okay but not from not from a quarterback to wide receiver connection like i don't think there's any i don't think there's any beef between these two that they're actually upset with each other i don't think that that's any of the issue but the team in general just seems a little bit dysfunctional right now at least the preseason we saw them come out extremely flat in their last game that they came out and that's where i have a little bit of an issue that like i'm just like man I don't like it, it could be the team that just falls flat this year especially for just the first couple of games. Like I do think that they get back on track and Josh Allen figures it out. Sean Dermott figures it out. And this whole entire team gets back on track. But for the first couple of weeks, I don't know until I actually see it on the field. I'm a little, I'm getting to a little bit nervous, but I'm not going to make any moves upon it. Like I'm not actually going to take any action on my dynasty rosters. Like that's not the type of bet that I'm willing to take just that little bit of like, 
ill feeling in my gut. Like I'm not going to move on that. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm staying true. I'm staying true with Josh Allen. I'm staying true with Stefan Diggs. I think he can still be easily a top three wide receiver year over year. Um, Devontae Adams would probably be the one that I'm most concerned about. Even Cooper Cup, I don't have much concern about the injury. I don't have much concern about Matthew Stafford and his potential injuries that are going to come. Apparently, people want to try to predict for him. Devontae Adams is truly the one that I'm worried about because you have a new quarterback in the system. You have a new, you have a potential holdout in the running back. No, no, we are not going to talk about that. But (laughs) you have. You have a disgruntled. You have a disgruntled wide receiver. Let's put it at that. And so let, let's just leave it there because obviously they, he he went there to play with Derek Carr, and Derek Carr is no longer there. And I believe that there is dysfunction all throughout this organization. We've talked about it before. As you look at their first round picks that are no longer there, you look at the owners that are no longer there. Everything in this Raiders offense and this Raiders system, all the way. Head to toe just feels dismantled all the time. And so that is the one that I really have the most concern about is Devontae Adams, even though I just bought him from you. Raiders gonna Raider. You know, we've we've been saying it for a bit here. You know, and, and I think that's the big thing is, you know, there's already a lot of uh, dysfunction going on in the locker room and in the clubhouse. Uh, there, there's questions about, how, you know, when you really look at the division, like it's going to be a tough division to compete in. Yeah, I, again, Denver is OK, but you still have the Chargers that are going to be on the up and up. And and obviously you have the Super Bowl champs with the, with the Chiefs like you. You got a tough conference or you have a tough division and a tough conference at, at that man the the raiders are a team that could easily fall apart and and put themselves in a situation where like adams doesn't want to be there so we'll see how that shakes out i'm with you i'm, I'm monitoring that a cup again not worried about i think regardless of quarterback injury or who's throwing the ball he's going to get his targets he's going to be open so as long as someone can throw the ball in his vicinity cooper cup is going to uh, garner that target share have his over 100 catches and whatever he can do with that yak and and, and that offense he's going to do so yeah again not not really concerned about him um coming off of the injury so all of those guys i, I still think are going to be top six guys for us this year but do you have any any belief i mean obviously we don't we don't have too much belief in Jimmy G, but Aiden O'Connell has been firing all throughout this yeah. offseason, so he could be firing the ball to Devontae Adams, too. I mean, we at least have another backup. It could be the last year's Jarrett Stidham down the stretch. I, I, I don't really care, but I, don't, I think it's just going to be the same amount of target share. I don't think it really matters who's throwing if, the ball. If Adams is on the field, I'm not really worried about anything. It's it's the concern of, is he going to be disgruntled enough to be like, I want out. Like if they're if like, they're like it, one in six, him and Jake like him and Jacobs are him and Jacobs are both just like why the hell am I playing for this team in yep. like week seven, whenever yep. they're one and seven at that point or one and six at that point. Like yeah, that that's where you have the concern. However, I'm I'm not letting I'm not letting that potential play out go into my dynasty bias right now. Like I, I'm not planning for that far out in the future of it, it, it at least in a win now team. I'm not planning that far out in the future for it. Like if if I have concerns about that and like a rebuild or something, one those two players should not be on my team right now. Yeah, but sure. I'm not. I, I can't. 
this game is a game of full variance, right? And so there's enough variance between every single player for me to not worry about the variance between them just not playing in week 10 plus. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like you're going to, if you have these guys on your team, if you're a true contender, you're going to be able to, to assess where you're at. Like, again, this is, you don't just let it ride. Like you don't have your team here on August 23rd, as you're listening to this and say, this is the team that I got. I'm going to ride it all the way to the end. Like you're going to find out real quick, whether your team is a true contender or not. You're, you're going to be able to make adjustments, make trades, things like that, and, and kind of read the room of what's going on. You'll have the ability to to trade some of these guys if you need to, you know, off of your contender or trade for some of them too, because there are going to be teams that that have these guys that uh, are going to have to to bail out. They're going to have to bail on that contender status. They're going to try and get out for what they can because they have quote unquote old assets and that's what's going to that's really where you're going to be looking like that's where you're going to be looking. Yeah, I think I think you just need to have that in the back of your mind, though, with all of these guys, they could be like they they are the old assets, right? This is the risk we play whenever we're going into these win now strategies of like any of these guys could fall off at any point. It could be it it could be cup is outplayed by Puka Nakua for some reason this year. I don't expect that to be the case. Right. Definitely don't expect that to be the case. I feel like that's about a one percent outcome. But any of these guys, I mean, we saw it with we we saw it with Julio Jones, we saw it with T.Y. Hilton. All of these guys, they just have this fall off point where they have that one bad injury, and they never get back to really where they were. Um, so, so you do have to be at least a little bit like aware that this this potential is there whenever you try to build these type of teams. Yeah, I mean, and that's why, like, while we have these players on our team, you know, frequently, uh, we also make moves to continue to to churn the roster. Again, we talked about the the rumble trade because you know, again, you went and got aging assets. I got youth in a pick. Like, I, I, even though I'm still trying to contend, there's different ways you churn your roster to try and make moves to stay competitive year over year. And if you've listened to anything we've talked about this off season, we talk about how to keep a contender contending and, and dive into some of those different you know theories and things like that as well. So you know, this isn't a wholesale go grab every single player that's 29 and up and then you know hope for the best. Like. There's strategy behind this when you're building out your roster and constructing your team. So um, I think that kind of you know nails down the, the that the the big four, right? Like there are a couple other tier two guys that are are still high end producers for their age. Um, most notably, like DeAndre Hopkins in Tennessee, you know, obviously signed. We got Amari Cooper. What's going to happen there with with a full year of Deshaun Watson and then Keenan Allen? I think are the the main three. Maybe you throw a little lock in there, but I'd say those are the main three that could like be that wide receiver 10 to 15 range. um, And at cost, you're going to be really happy with it. I think these are the guys that I really had the question for you as I, as I type the show doc up, because I'm like, these guys all could, like you said, 10 wide receiver, 10 wide receiver, 15. I don't know if they have that like wide receiver five upside anymore. Do I think it's in the range of outcomes Maybe, but it's such a small minority. Like I feel like it's a very small percentage chance that they could actually get to that point. But I do think that they have a very good chance of being in that ten to fifteen range. Mm-hmm. And would you would you be sending as you have it right now? Let's just say you only have your first. You you just normally have your picks first through fourth, and you're in this you know normal twelve team start ten lineup league. Are you sending your first out for these type of guys right now? Because the I, th- I think guys, 
like the, the not, tier two not, guys. So are you okay. sending your are you sending your 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 playoff team? You're only you're one piece away, or you already have the team constructed. You've got your you know you've got one top eight quarterback. You've got one fringe top twelve quarterback as well. You've got your running backs. You've got two good wide receivers. You've got a tight end already. Do you send that back end first out as you projected? You're a top three to four team in this league. Do you send that back end first out for one of these guys right now? Or does it really depend on the league format and the league structure of where it's at right now? Because that's what it's depended for for me. Yeah, for the tier two guys, I don't think I'm doing that right now. Like For a first, no. No, I want I want to see it. I want to see it to believe it with those tier two guys. When you're talking DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, I want to see it because like the value isn't going to just suddenly spike. Like if Cooper Cup goes out and smashes, like yeah, we know that what his value is going to be. Diggs, Adams, all of those guys, like yeah, we we get where those values are. But when you're talking DeAndre Hopkins, like I want to see what that looks like in Tennessee because his value is not going to suddenly skyrocket to two firsts or a first and a second. Like his age is his age. These are all like specifically with Hopkins and Keenan Allen, like they are, they are that one injury away. It doesn't have to be like a severe injury, but they're just that one bad season, one injury, any, any sign of decline away from just absolutely plummeting and falling off the face of the earth. And then you have Amari Cooper where I'm like, I think he would be the one I'd consider because I do think that he can be in that same range, but he's still, I believe what 29 years old. Um, so he's still like 28 to 29. Yeah. 28 to 29. He would be the one I'm fine doing that for right now, but Hopkins and Keenan Allen, that's an in season move. And I don't think I'm giving up a first for them unless they're absolutely crushing it for me uh, or, or crushing it this year. I just, a first is a lot to give up. So I just want to go to the context of, there, there is a trail on Burks injury right now where you could have yep. a little bit of you're probably paying that right now to get to a D hop. In my opinion, if you're just yep. in that standard 12 team league, I think you have to pay that right now. Obviously you're projecting that to be a back end first, which doesn't really mean as much. Um, but I, I do want to give the context of what if you, what if you're in leagues like mine, like a lot of my leagues are so so diverse already to where you know where the contenders are and they already have sold off all their picks. You know where the rebuilding teams are and they've already sold off all their, they're already acquiring all the picks. And so there's no teams left that have actual picks and assets that they can just send off to you. So you have the pick, they have the asset. And there's so many of these teams that are already built to all rebuild. There's so many of these teams that are already built to all contender to where you see one of these players. And can you, can you capitalize a little bit to be the first one to actually buy one of these win now pieces? One of the few remaining win now pieces off of one of these rosters this early. That's where I was kind of going with a couple of these teams because so much of it, there's no parity within the league. It's just only win now or only sell now rosters. And so if I can find the one team right now that still has one of these win now assets as I project it to be, that's where I'd be okay sending away the first. It's a, it's a risky business, obviously, because things can change and there can be other picks. That you, there could be other players within the season that you could sell for it. But right now, that's one of the few people that I can actually still send a first to that still wants a first. Yeah, I mean, it is very league specific. And I do think that, uh, you know, knowing your league, knowing the players in your league, like it, it is huge. 
but I still, I still think I'm, I, I want a plus. Like, you know, if I'm giving up my first for a 31 year old Keenan Allen, you know, a 31 year old DeAndre Hopkins, like that's where I, and, and I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I've been on the whole D hop, you know, high, hype train this whole off season. I think he's going to be just fine. But having said that in terms of like the actual value and, and, and things like that, like what I can actually do with that first, I think I can do a little bit more. I can get a little bit more with that. So if people do want my first and they have one of those guys, uh, I'm going to try and get a plus with that. Like it might be a small plus. It might be kick me back a third, something that I can use in season to buy one of those positions. We're not going to talk about today that we've talked about a lot, uh, but you know, buy, buy some starts um, at a different position. And so like, those are the types of things that I would do again. It's, it's all, it's all looking ahead. Um, one for one, I think if I was to do it for any of those guys, it would be Amari Cooper uh, just because of what I hope can happen with him and Deshaun Watson tied together. But even then, like I just don't feel great about making that move here in August. Yeah, and I'm glad to hear that because that was the only one I actually did that move for. Every other DeAndre yeah. Hopkins share that I've acquired was for seconds or worse. So that's, that's go. good. <laughs> good to hear on my end. Yeah, no, I, and, and that's and that's just the way you got to play. Like, yeah, you, you got to know your market. You got to know the teams that are out there. What you know, uh, what players are actually available, and 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 again, league context matters for all of this. So, yeah, I think uh, I think those are the key ones. Any anyone else you want to kind of throw into this? These these vets that you're looking for this year is a Mike Evans, someone that you're interested in at all? Another thousand yard and eight touchdowns coming for him. Is there any other? guy you have hope for that that might be able to step up well there's not really hope for any other guys but i do have to shit talk another couple of guys before we get out of here those are george pickens and dj moore uh george pickens as much as he is saying that he's going to have a increased route tree he is developed and he has incredibly renewed his ability as a wide receiver um Unfortunately, the data just doesn't back that up because in all of his preseason games and all of his preseason routes, 27% of them are go routes. And that is a jump ball master. And um, unfortunately for fantasy football and dynasty fantasy football and anything that matters for our context, unfortunately, that just doesn't tend to lead to actual production from the wide receiver week over week. If you want to have him in best ball, by all means. But Deontay Johnson is still the wide receiver one for this team. I don't care that somebody on ESPN thinks that he is more talented than Justin Jefferson. I will tell you right now, he is not. Um, and then DJ Moore, uh, there, there have been reports out there that are saying that they are going to throw for 4,000 yards this season. Unfortunately, I do believe that number is below 3,000. And so DJ Moore, I would put below 900 yards this season on a receiving Ooh. basis. And I believe that he is a least a wide receiver 22 or below this year. And I don't think that you should be relying on him. Man, I, I mean, I know the Pickens data is there, right? Like, you know, last year he, I believe he led the league in go routes, uh, according to to Rich Rebar, and at nineteen point four percent last year. And I know we're talking about preseason. I know, like, we're not small sample that, right? size stuff, but still, yeah. like that that is his role, though. That's his yeah. role, though. Like, that exactly. is what he's going to be. And Deontay Johnson still has his role. There, there's no overtaking. That that's what I think this data yes. shows is there's no overtaking of the wide receiver one of this offense. Exactly. And, and so I'm, I'm with you there. And then same thing. We've talked about DJ Moore all off season like that. I'm, I'm right there. All the the new hype. And I, what I love to see 
uh, progress, sure. But like, I just when we were getting hyped up on a three for three for 129 yards and and two touchdowns from with a negative eight uh, pass <laughs> yards. <laughs> yeah, negative eight air yards. Like it's like, come on, like what are we doing here? Yeah, like I love seeing DJ Moore run behind three wide open, you know, three blockers, you know, wide open downfield. Like that's exciting and, and fun, but that is not going to happen week over week. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that actually pans out. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you again. It was just wanted to to kind of divert from uh from the the usual talk about that one position um uh, you know we, it, we're gonna start looking at the season here we have a couple weeks left you know we are i think we have episode 24 and 25 coming up right as the season kicks off so we'll have some season preview uh rolling out here which is gonna be really exciting and fun for for us for for destination debbie lots of really cool things happening so if you are not part of the community make sure that you are tap in patreon.com forward slash all gas hands down the best fantasy football community to be a part of and if you are in the heisman tier you have full access to to scott to ray to to us to any content creator like we are all available uh, chopping it up all day every day especially in season going to be a blast um and then voice chat of course just there's there's nothing like it there's absolutely nothing like it in the fantasy space so patreon.com forward slash all gas make sure you're there Absolutely. Make sure you're there. Like Chase said, you want access to me, you want access to him. That is the way to get access to us. Other than DMs, other than hitting us up on X, um, you, you can always hit us up over there. But uh, if you if you really want true access to us, it is really through Heisman, DestinationW.com yeah. forward slash all gas, Patreon.com forward slash all gas. Yep, absolutely, man. So again, uh, make sure you do do follow us on Twitter at Trophy Chase TFDR at Cody Smith TFDR. Uh, we're always out there having fun, messing with people, dropping some knowledge, things like that. So tap it in there. And thank you so much for joining us here on the Overreaction Podcast. <laughs>